is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Touchdown, Scotland! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. It is April. It's Final Four Saturday. There's a lot going on. You got the whole crew in the studio. There's Matt McMaster. It's a great weekend. It is. For, for sports. The only thing that could have been better is if the Maskers was this week as opposed to next week. The only thing that could have been better is if a team from the state of Nebraska had made the final four. Oh, no, no. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Come on now. Come on now. I mean, there's, there's hypotheticals and then there's stupidity. And, you know, that's just... That's just on, on, on the latter part. But no, it's a great sports We can also, uh, WrestleMania, shout out Kenny. Kenny yeah. and I are going to be watching WrestleMania tonight and tomorrow, two-day event. That would be great. Be a lot of fun. No, I'm excited. I mean, very rarely do you get a weekend in which you just have everything kind of colliding in at once yeah. in terms of sports. You have opening, opening week was this week for the MLB. I'll still right. die on this hill, by the way. The fact that... Teams play on opening day, and then the very next day, they don't have a game is the stupidest thing ever. It, the day after opening day is one of the very few times I wake up in the morning and I think, oh, wow, I want to watch baseball today. I want to watch baseball today. Fired up after day one. And yeah. You ready for day two? Yeah. And, it's like, and, the, and nothing. It's like day 1.25 instead. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But you still have... The rest of the opening weekend, you still the women's tournament. Caitlin Clark, oh my goodness, my goodness, is, is she not? She is by far the biggest thing in college basketball right now, by by far, by a mile. Is she the biggest thing in sports right now? Well, she was last night. Last no night question. for sure. Everyone was talking. When was the last time that everyone was talking about a women's basketball player? Can you think of an instance in which the entire sports world, it, it, especially Twitter, was talking about a women's basketball player like that? Like you couldn't you couldn't scroll without seeing her? I mean, no. I can't think of one. No, it's, you can't. It's usually like the UConn teams. They've had teams that have been really good. Sure. Players have yes. been really good. Yes, yes. Like Brianna, Brianna Stewart, Stewart. Diana Taurasi. Absolutely. Candace Parker at Tennessee before that. But, but in terms of individual players, I don't, I don't, no. I can't remember. And not only that... She took down the undefeated defending national champion, South Carolina. I, I Almost watched. single-handed. Scored or assisted on every bucket in the fourth quarter. I watched that whole game. It was it was ridiculous. It was every time they got the ball, or some, one of her teammates got the ball, they looked to just give it back to her. Yeah. And, like, Iowa scored so many layups and so many easy buckets because they were so afraid of her taking threes. I've never seen... I've never seen a paint so wide open just because of the fear factor of like what could happen outside the arc. The only other player who's ever been like that is Steph Curry, who is the greatest shooter of the basketball ever. She is insane. And like some people be like, oh, it's Husker Hour. Why are you talking about a Hawkeye? It's 
It has nothing to do. Caitlin Clark has zero to do with Iowa and everything to do with just it, basketball and the importance of having that female figure who is so who can captivate an entire audience. Yes, would I like her to go to Nebraska or would I like her to go to a a, a school that's not the main rival to Nebraska right now? Sure. But if we're looking at it at the wide view, it is great. It is great for all sports that she's playing the way that she is, and she's getting the appreciation that she's getting. Yeah, yeah, incredible talent. And and another incredible talent that is more germane to the Nebraska discussion, Dylan Raiola. He's the number one recruit of 2024. I'm, I'm getting tired of this. So you get so I want I can't what? imagine the people by the way I can't imagine the people who actually have to like chase this trail and oh, have to yeah. consistently call and write shout out Husker online shout out 24/7 shout out rivals they've been doing a great job I cannot imagine just being on this just whirlwind just uh, I, what would you call it? It's a roller coaster. It's crazy. Yeah, and 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 speaking twenty four seven, it's a wild goose chase. We'll have Michael Brunts uh, join us here in our next segment. Uh, he's he and his team have have certainly been on the Dylan Riola beat. Ugh. But that's I wanna, what it is now. I want to address this because there are there there was some, there was the report this week after the huge visit weekend last weekend where yes. Riola was the headliner, brought in multiple five stars, a lot of high profile high-talent recruits, all brought together here in Lincoln last weekend. And then you get the report that Dylan Raiola, oh, he's, he's not going to come to the spring game after all. Look, there's, there's a lot of different stuff that's come out here and there on Raiola. There's a lot of stuff that's still yet to come out on Dylan Raiola. There, there's, uh, there's a prominent national recruiting analyst, which is Crystal Ball from USC back to Georgia. Like yeah. th- there's there are some very online Husker fans who are story or who are going to start to turn who are going to start bit. throwing in the there are people already throwing in yeah. the towel. <laughs> yeah. Some are inevitably going to go after the kid on social media. Like it's it, you're going to have Ugh. that that element of this. But I'm going to be consistent on this. Riola's got his tour, his process. This is pretty similar to last season in this time. This this offseason uh, for football, Arch Manning, he was sure. the number one quarterback recruit, and and he was getting courted by Alabama and Georgia, and I don't remember who was fine, USC probably in there, and he ends up finally deciding to go to Texas. I think he committed in June. You can check the tape on on what I was saying last year. I said you can hate on the kid, you can you can dislike the fact that he's taking so long, or he's enjoying the attention, or he's he's giving all these comments and maybe leading people astray, whatever you want to say about it. But if your team is the team that lands him, you won't care one bit what happened during the process. You won't mind that you went on this roller coaster of emotion. You won't mind that you spent countless hours scouring the message boards for inside information after a recruiting weekend. Like The other thing is, we've seen this more recently with the no-sit-out year on transfers, the portal, the NIL. There's a lot more player power now. Sure. And... Yes, while it would help Matt Rule and and the the team of the the coach of the team that you root for, it would help him to know Dylan's decision sooner rather than later, so they can get figure a quarterback. out where to go. Yeah, but obviously, here's the other thing: Dylan has the right to take whatever time he, he feels. Can do he whatever needs. the heck he wants. If you are that talented, they will wait for you. Yeah. So, I'm I'm consistent on this. Check the tape from last year. I it is not a 
hey, you're you're saying this because Dylan Raiola is still a Nebraska target. No. Arch Manning had the right to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dylan Raiola has the right to do this. If you are a Nebraska fan and you want this kid in your school, at your program, you're going to have to ride the waves. Sure. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be up and down. For, for me, so, so first off, let's take it from this perspective in terms of people freaking out that he is most likely, because it's not for sure, but the reports are more than likely he's not going to come to the spring game, not just Nebraska spring game, but Oregon spring game as well. He was supposed to go to both. He was, and also, I'm, I'm, he may still be going to Georgia spring game. I wrote, or I read a report that they were going to go. He was going to go to those three. But regardless, yeah. you can read into that and be like, all right, it's over. Whatever. He's got an official visit scheduled with Georgia. Georgia's going to get him. You can throw in the towel. Let me remind you something. People's minds change. People can change their decisions. People, you know, just things can happen on an instant. You never know what's going to happen. As someone who recently, like two years ago, picked what college they're going to go to, one day I woke up, I was going to Kansas. The next day I was going to Indiana. Eventually I came to Nebraska. You know, it's just things change. Now, am I a five star quarterback recruit? Who Where was, was being, Brunson's report on that McMaster's who commitment? Who was, who was, who was going to be in wined and dined and taken everywhere? No, I wasn't getting free meals at Dish, you know, from, from Coach Matt Rule. But I was, you know, just people's minds change. So to think right now in April, it's over. He's going to come, he's going on official visits in June. He might go on official visits in the middle of the season. He may not make his decision until December. So it's like, you know, just wait. It's wait. It's going to be a long process. It's already been a long process. I think Nebraska's still in it. I think there's still work to do. But I think this is the because I don't think this recruiting class should be judged off of one prospect because I I don't think it's right for Matt Rule who has the potential to get a top ten recruiting class regardless of whether or not he gets to Raiola. Yeah. I don't think it's fair for him and his staff to be graded on their this recruiting class solely based off of. Did you get Dylan Raiola? They look. There are prospects who, if they get Dylan, they are going to get them. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ryan Wingo, uh, wide receiver out of St. Louis, taking two visits with Raiola, literally said in a Husker Online article, "Hey, it's nice to have a quarterback. Like it's nice to have a quarterback." And like that is a, that is a strategic move yes, by a wide receiver. Yes. And he's Just thinking, attach yourself at yeah. the hip to the best quarterback and, in your class. And he's like, and he's thinking. Yeah, I mean, like, that's something I'm going to think about. Where he goes, I may go. Brandon Baker, another national recruit, kind of out of nowhere visited Nebraska. It seems like, yeah, there's a, there's, and there is a connection between him and Rayola. It seems like that's another, if you get Rayola, you might get the number one offensive tackle in the country. It seems like there are, uh, pro- recruits like that who are attached to Rayola. At the same time, you read some of these reports. In the reports I read from Husker Online about how these kids came here and how what their experiences were, none of them had a bad thing to say about what they saw. Every single one that I've read said the facility, the new facility, is incredible. They every single one of them said that they went to practice and they really liked how Rule coached. And they there was an offensive lineman, uh, the the interior, I think Semsei, uh, uh, he's from Utah, Semsei Tonga, who was like. I, I love the aggressiveness in which Donovan Rayola teaches his offensive lineman. You know, I mean, there were so many positives that came from this visit where I think that regardless of where Dylan goes, they're going to get a lot of these kids. They're going to get a solid recruiting class. And hey, by the way, you don't just have one recruiting weekend all year. Like right. they're going to have more and more recruits come through. So I think that when it comes to Dylan, I think that it would be great. 
And I think that, you know, getting him would be incredible. It'd be generational, revolutionary, whatever type of, you know, exacerbated uh, uh, adjective you want to put on it. But I think that Nebraska just being in the race for Dylan and their name being out there and recruits who wouldn't have come to Nebraska if it weren't for Dylan Raiola being interested, being able to come through Nebraska. And even though they may not commit to Nebraska, they are going to say, hey, man, like, I didn't go there, but that facility's nice. And that coach knows what he's doing. And those other coaches are really cool. And, you know, maybe I went to Georgia or maybe I went to Ohio State or Michigan because there's more stability and I know that they can win now and Nebraska's more of a project and you don't know what's going to happen. But, hey, they're cooking something. And they're going to say that. And word of mouth is going to get out. Yeah. And there are going to be more people who are looking at Nebraska. And there are going to be more recruits who are more open-minded. Because there's, you'd be surprised how many articles I've read where these recruits, these high-level recruits said, I was surprised. Brandon Baker literally just said, I was surprised. Like, in a good way, how good, how good this was. Right. So it's just being in the spotlight and just having all these people come through, it's good. It's good for the program. Yeah, it, you're right. It it would be surprising, I think, to not see the surprise. Like, people don't know what Nebraska sure. is Absolutely. unless you come here. I didn't. And, and Yeah, there you go. You're yeah. Exhibit A. So there there is a level of, you know, yeah, you, you get that added awareness of the program, of the city, of the experience that you can have here, the, the coaching staff that's brand new, all of that is is kind of put on the forefront because of the pre- just the mere presence of Dylan Raiola. Yes. Added all of these guys. Some of these guys came here only because of him. And, you know, maybe he comes here, maybe he doesn't, but there still may come uh, a, a commitment or two from the guys in this class that, are only were only brought to Nebraska's radar or or had Nebraska put as prominent a spot in their, you know, top five, top seven, whatever, because of Dylan Riola's presence here this last weekend. So even if you don't get him, you are still getting the you're spreading the gospel of Nebraska football, regardless. And that is ultimately what Matt Rule's job is. It's what he's here to do, and and he's getting that done in such a way that he'll either He'll either get Dylan Raiola here or he'll get some of his friends. And and ultimately, you're going to need more than just a quarterback anyway to yeah. make this thing work. And obviously, everybody knows that. But the so much of the focus on Dylan Raiola, you kind of forget, oh, hey, they're going to need offensive linemen. They're going to need wide receivers, running backs. They're going to need a running back. And look, Nate Frazier. Yeah, Nate Frazier. The, oh, what a get that would be. Yeah. I'm more focused on Nate Frazier, honestly, than, than, I mean, yes, I am focused on Dylan Rayola. Dylan Rayola is the number one guy that everyone wants. But Nate Frazier, hey, if you end up pulling him it, it, out of nowhere and, and kind of related to the whole there's interest around, because, you know, a lot of these guys came after Rayola, right? And and I'm pretty sure he was one of them, and he's a really good player, and it seems like he's really, really into what Nebraska has provided. Yeah. And I, I look, it, it, Here's and I and I didn't really say this last week and I wanted to say it in order to compete with Penn State, Michigan and USC and and, and those top teams that are going to be in the Big 10. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC. Yeah. You have to recruit like them. Yeah. You have to recruit like them. You cannot have a 24 top 25 class and just be like, "Oh, this is great success." No, you got to have top 10, top 15. You got to beat some of these teams. You gotta have a better recruiting class in USC. You have have to have a better recruiting class at OSU or Michigan or some of these teams because those teams in particular 
win games, most of their games, off of just being more talented. They just bully teams around. They're just, we're bigger, we're faster, we're stronger. There's no scheme. There's no way that you can make this a game unless we play terrible. We are going to go out there and we're just going to beat you because we're better. And I hate to break it to you, and I, and, but it's the truth. Nebraska's been one of those teams who's been just pushed around by, by Ohio State, who's just been pushed around by Michigan, who, if they were to play USC, they'd be pushed around by USC. Mm. And that's just a fact. You got to get out of that realm and into, okay, hey, you can't push us around anymore because you're not bigger, faster, and stronger than us. We're equal to you. And then it becomes football. Yep. Then it becomes X's and O's. Then it becomes who's the better team. Because over these last couple of years when Nebraska has played these high-level programs, it's not who's the better team. It's who are the better players. And the better players just killing you. So recruiting is the way. To to it, it, I mean that's not revolutionary what I just said to close that gap you got to recruit when Oklahoma beat Nebraska beat the brakes off of Nebraska yeah. what did Mickey Joseph say at his press conference we got to get guys here yeah. they're just more talented mm-hmm. we got to got to get more dudes to Nebraska that's a fact then it's a fact now and whether or not you get Dylan Riola Matt Rule is on the path to get to getting dudes to Nebraska yeah. Definitely on his way there with uh, that huge recruiting weekend last week. And, uh, of course, more to come on Dylan Riola. Uh, we got Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7 coming up next. He's going to help run that down and plenty more. Spring practice. you got practice number eight today. Coach Rule will be available afterwards for comments. Uh, Husker baseball is in action down in Texas. They've got two today. Uh, an off week from Big Ten play. And uh, a lot of other news. There's a Husker legend coming back for the spring game. Uh, a big-time three-point shooter coming back to Nebraska basketball. We'll tell you who that is. And uh, plenty more where that came from. That's Matt. I'm Cole. Here we are at KLI and Husker Hour. Stick with us. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio. 1499.3 KLIN. <laughs> TBD on Michael Bruns. Uh, we'll see if we can connect with him later on in the show. He's got some other stuff going on. As you as you can imagine, Matt, he's he's busy. He's, he's chas- chasing down this, uh, chasing down the crumbs, <laughs> chasing down all the because they're not they're not. By the way, they're not nuggets either. They're they're crumbs at this point from <laughs> what we get from Dylan Rayola because it's all. I mean, it's so it's so hard to report on recruits, man. Like in terms of. How how can you be in the camp of like a like an eighteen year old like and figuring out everything he's thinking and everything he wants to do? I mean, like they're just. I mean, to begin with, teenagers are so sporadic anyway. I mean, I I just a year ago I was a teenager a year ago. I could tell you, like you know, just <laughs> I was a teenager a year, a year ago. I could tell you. Oh I mean, it's it's never known what we're thinking. <laughs> so just to just to chase all that down is crazy. I have yeah. so much respect for those people. Yeah. Seriously. Well. There's a guy who's not been a teenager for a long time and, and doesn't have to chase teenagers anymore either. <laughs> Recent, recently retired uh, college football Hall of Famer and the greatest coach in Ohio University history uh, and the first Nebraska football player to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated, Frank Solich. He's coming back, Matt. He's coming yeah, so, back so- to be honored at the spring game and. Very reluctant to do so, has has probably resisted this invitation for years, but he's finally, finally coming. Trev Alberts and, and Matt Rule help make it happen. So, basically, what I know 
is that he was a really good coach. Now, there was a high standard to be met at Nebraska once he took over. So and, he was a, he was an assistant. Yes, he was a yes, he was in 20 years. He was an assistant under coach. And and just yeah. how just how it went from Osborne or for Devaney, Devaney Mm-hmm. Osborne was under Devaney. Yep. He gave it to Osborne. Yep. Solich was under Osborne. Osborne gave it to Solich. It was Correct. kind of the succession type of, you know. You win a couple national championships, <clears throat> you get to choose your successor. Kind of a British family, royal family type of thing where, you know, <laughs> one to another to another. And the hope was that, what you know, I guess the idea was that Solich would be there for another 20 years, right? And then he would give not, it to right? he would give it to whoever, and you know he would give it to Scott Frost, who was his you know whatever. So I'm just making jokes. No, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And that was you know, idea. and and it didn't work out because unfortunately for for Frank Solich, he only won sixty games as fifty eight nineteen. He only went fifty eight and nine. I mean, just a meh record, just not a. Not the type of uh, coach you can really build the program around. I mean, like, it, rightfully, he got fired in his last season because he had a terrible record of nine and three. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he got he got hired unfa- or fired unfairly clearly. And I know the whole Steve Peterson thing and yeah. like the forty three day search or whatever. What year were you born, Matt? Two thousand two. So I was a year old when you Frank born, Solich. You were born in the seven and seven season. I was born in the seven, yeah. which is why people blame me for for yeah. the seven and seven season. So happening. so it's not Little Red that no, it may Frank be me. Solich should and, be and sacrificing sure, at halftime. Sure, it should be, it should be Matt McMaster. I mean that joke's been made way too many times. <laughs> so, I got a so so he he got fired and it, was it just sour grapes from there? All right, and, yeah, give it to me. So because I, I mean if it's just that, I mean Matt, I get it. Matt's Matt's new here, so but it just seems like it's a. Everyone is like freaking out about it, like this is like the best thing since sliced bread, and it's right. like an incredible deal. Which look, if you really lay it out to me, I'll get it, I'll, I'll understand it. But it just seems like you know he was pissed, and now he's not, and it's uh, turning over a new leaf. <laughs> Frank Solich was a loyal assistant, yes, and paid his dues. Absolutely, was given the head coaching job, nineteen ninety eight, by no one other than Tom Osborne. Yeah. It was given to him by by yeah. the man, yeah, by the god. Osborne Osborne gave it to him. Bill Byrne wanted to go hire Mac Brown or someone else, but Tom Osborne anointed Solich as the guy. Solich pick, takes over in nineteen ninety eight, nine and four, nineteen ninety nine, wins the Big Twelve. Still to this day, Nebraska's most recent conference championship uh, was a fumble on the goal line by Carell Buckhalter at Texas away from probably winning the national championship in nineteen ninety nine. With sophomore quarterback Eric Crouch and NFL talent all over the field. Bobby Newcomb on that team. You've got Mike Brown in the secondary, Chicago Bear legend. There you go. Mike Brown was Mike Brown went to Nebraska? Oh my goodness. I had no clue. Love Mike Brown. By the way, look, I was I was four. (laughs) I was four when he was a Chicago Bear legend. Okay. All right. All right. It was four. All right. Two thousand. Not not really bad. I think they went ten and three or so. Uh, destroyed Northwestern in the bowl game. Yeah, I mean everyone. Oh, everyone does. I mean, two thousand one Heisman Trophy, undefeated season up until the Colorado game, sixty two to thirty six. Still make it into the championship game thanks to the BCS formula. Get housed by Miami. It's thirty four nothing at halftime. In the I know. Bowl. Th- I, I know that. I know that score. Yeah, two thousand two. They went seven and seven. Oh my god! First year since nineteen sixty eight that Nebraska did not win at least nine games. It was the end of the world. 
It was an apocalypse level event in the state of Nebraska. And at the end of that season, Solich let go of half of his staff. Uh, the other piece to this, Steve Peterson comes into the picture, 2001. Bill Byrne leaves, Steve Peterson comes in. Peterson, Solich, they never really saw eye to eye. Peterson wanted to get his own guy in there, basically looked for a reason. And Frank Solich's three losses, yes, only, only three losses in 2003, but all of them were blowouts. Lost to Missouri for the first time in 25 years. Got blown out at Texas and then got blown out at K-State. Bo Pelini, defensive coordinator Bo Pelini, lost his temper at the end of the game because Bill Snyder was running up the score. How about that? Um, and Nebraska wins the finale at Colorado. They think that they've saved their coach's job, and then Steve Peterson fires him on a Saturday night. And I'm at my house in Bellevue, Nebraska, watching Steve Sipple on Outside the Lines on ESPN, talking about what the heck is going on in Lincoln, Nebraska. Because they fired a 9-3 and coach! And so it, that that's where it all stems from. Like this, You go back years... Like to the Bo Pelini firing, and there are Bo Leavers and Bo Leavers, right? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and and I don't think even the Sol the Solich situation, I don't think had as much of a fifty fifty split. I think more people thought that he should stay because I think generally speaking, more people would have been more loyal still in that time period to, you know, Tom Osborne's handpicked successor. I think Osborne may have been in Congress by then, but uh, so that that is the context here. Frank Solich, in his mind, wrongfully let go by this more or less evil Steve Peterson uh, regime who came in, changed the culture around, hired Bill Callahan after 41 days, uh, cratered the culture in the athletic department, and was finally let go in 2007. That is kind of where this all stems from. He He has not been back publicly sure in in front of a, a memorial stadium crowd since 2003 since he was the head coach and he went on and had a great coaching career he's the greatest coach in ohio university history multiple former huskers people attached to that program coached under him played for him uh sent their sons to play for him uh, he is a husker legend and the fact that he is finally coming back to be publicly recognized, and I think Trev Alberts kind of, this is kind of part of the story, right? He finally said, Frank, it's not about you, it's about the fans. Come and be recognized so that the fans can get their moment to see you and thank you for all of the years of loyalty to this program, the years that you've given as a player, as a coach, as a mentor. That's what it means to have him back. Because... He is There's a, still to this yes. day a lot of people who thought he was he was given a raw deal. He he means a lot to a lot of people who were yeah. there at 100%. the height of okay the pro yeah I mean I now I got I got a question for you because yeah. I'm sure that you've thought of this before where where is Nebraska now if he never gets fired what what do you th- what do you think happens so the part of, I think part it's of a the tough argument, question part tough of question. the argument back in in the 2003 2002 2004 days was well the game has passed nebraska by because this offense is defunct you can't sure. run the option anymore uh recruiting is slipped solich won a, t- a conference championship and played for a national championship but he did that with Tom Osborne's players. That wasn't him yeah. doing the heavy lifting of recruiting. Like it was, it was the offense 
it was it, days days gone by. You know, it, it you had to you had to modernize things, um, which is what Steve Peterson sold with Bill Callahan in the West Coast offense. Yeah, throw it all over the yard. You had to you had to fix recruiting again. That was a Bill Callahan thing that he was legitimately really really good at. Those were, I think, the two biggest concerns of the folks that didn't mind Solich leaving that that maybe thought it was a justified Times firing. are changing. Time, yeah. time we change, too. Nebraska football. And, and, this, and again, Nebraska had just gone from the Big 8 to the Big 12 in 1996. They won the, they won the conference in 97 and 99, and they obviously went to the national championship in 2001. But Texas was coming. Colorado had really good years. I mean, Colorado was right on the doorstep to to go to the national championship game in 2001 after beating Nebraska. Didn't get a chance to. Uh, then they got housed by Oregon in the in the Rose Bowl, so whatever. Um, and then Texas ended up going to the national championship game in 2005. Oklahoma won the national championship in 2001, lost the national championship game in 2003 and 2004. So those those powers were shifting around Nebraska. It was shifting within the conference. It was shifting on the recruiting landscape, and 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 it was also the the offensive scheme was outdated, or like you you just you just couldn't win at the same level as you could have in the nineties sure. in the middle two thousands. Sure, that, that was the argument at the time. But you still won fifty eight games. That's crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's is wild. That's a little that's a little trip down memory lane for you. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess it's just like thinking about it now. The standard is so much different. Like it, it, it we, me looking at it now as someone who roots for terrible teams, Cubs, Bears, you know, and 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 I've had a lot of losing in my life. Sixty wins or sixty wins. That's just kind of how you look at it. But when you look at it, the lens of national championships and and prestige and historics and and whatever and like what was accomplished in the past, and you're comparing it to that, sure, losing 19 games isn't up to that standard when they didn't even. I mean, look, what how many how many years could it take Osborne to lose 19 games? Right? I mean, probably. I know you're not going to know that. He only lost. He only lost 49 in his 25 years. Exactly. So So, that's less than two per year on average. So. I, I guess when you look at like, I, there are certain ways to justify it. I I guess, and I think that like, sure, the the idea that everyone was catching up to Nebraska or times are changing and recruiting is different. But it's like, I think it's a little naive to think that Nebraska's just going to win eleven games every year and compete for a national title all the time. It's it's called eras. It's called generations. It's Notre Dame had their era. Alabama, it seems like the Alabama era right now is coming to an end, right? I mean, Jeez. Alabama has had their, these last 10 years where it's been all about them. You can bury Saban. I'm not burying Saban. No, no, no. I'm not, but I'm just saying for the sake of the art, like for the sake of the argument, like eras start, eras end. It will end. eventually end. It will yes. eventually yes. end. And I think that he was a victim to yeah, that. But the other thing in that in that era, Nebraska was one of the last, if not the last, big big program that had never had a valley. Like Oklahoma was terrible in the mid nineties. Like they were a power in the seventies. Sure, they were sure, a power. Sure. In the, they had a really big dip. Yeah. Oh, valley. Al- okay. Alabama. Same I thought you thing. were talking like geographic, like no, valley. No, <laughs> no like they, they. Nebraska was sure. the only they major nev- program yeah. that never let it slip. Yeah. Out of all of the the eighties, the nineties, the early early two thousands, Alabama dipped. Ohio State dipped. Sure. Oklahoma dipped. Everybody. Yeah. Dipped. Nebraska was like the last 
one. Yeah, they were the last one. And so that was the thing that, that people were hanging on to. And then 2004, losing season. I mean, let alone a 7-7, seven and seven, 500 year, lose to Eli Manning in the Independence Bowl. I mean, that, that got worse, 2004. And then 2007, it was even worse than that, because you had even bigger blowouts than Frank Solich had in 2003. So all of this is to say... There's a lot of stuff that went into the decision, but in Frank Solich's eyes, it was it was it was just not what you did at Nebraska because of the loyalty factor, because of the tradition. And look, had he stayed, could he have picked it up on the recruiting end of it? Maybe. Had he stayed, could they have changed up the offense a little bit to 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 be more modern and and to throw the ball a little bit more? Maybe. If he stayed in 2004, I, I mean, Bo Pelini was only a defensive coordinator for one year. I would assume that Bo Pelini would have been defensive coordinator for a second year. And all of his head coaching stuff aside, he's a pretty darn good defensive coach. So you, you, you start to look back at, hey, what could have happened had he stayed? You never know. I mean, they may not have had success. The, the offense struggles may have continued. The recruiting struggles may have continued as well. but. You know, that's that's revisionist history to try, yeah, to, to, try to go back. It's to that just it is it is really cool. I, to see I understand. Back, I understand from his perspective why he didn't come back though, because he gave everything. Yeah, to this program yeah. to be kind of just shoot away from a guy that he didn't. It seems like he didn't really like Peterson, or Peterson didn't like him, or there was a rift in that relationship, and yeah. it seemed like he finally gave. Well, he. You could really argue whether or not he gave. Peterson a reason to fire him. I mean, I don't know if a nine-win season is a reason to fire anybody, but, you know, regardless, it's tough. It's tough, and I think it's great. I'm happy, you know, I'm more happy for Frank than I am in terms of, like, the, oh, my God, it's great for the program. I'm more happy for him and that he gets the piece that he can come back and people will appreciate everything that he's done. Yeah. Um, and that when he goes to that spring game, he is going to get a, a standing O. I wish he went to it to a regular season game just yeah. so it would be sold out but you know maybe you wanted regardless regardless um i think i think it's good i think it's great for him i think he deserves it and how about and how about the parallel with with Marcus Satterfield dropping the uh the f word fullback, fullback. hey frank solich fullback yeah I, why did he ever why did he not leave ohio was it just one of those where it's just such a comfortable job and he didn't really want to go through the hustle and bustle of of being in a power five program again is he's he, a, he is a loyal man guy. yeah ohio gave him the shot after he got fired in nebraska and he was like and he gave them in return nine with the rest seasons. of his coaching career crazy so yeah. yeah i mean look i mean i don't know ohio history but you you look at these i mean look Nine and five, nine and five, eight and five. Not in order, by the way. Just was thrown out, Scott. Right, right. Eight and five, ten and four, nine and four, eight and five, eight and six, nine and four, nine and four. I mean, just solid. Fo- they may Ohio became a solid football program yes. for people to go to, and credit yeah. to him, and credit to to them for giving him a shot. I mean, it's it's good. I'm yeah. happy about it. Frank, I'm so glad we went down that revisionist history because now I appreciate it more. Yeah, I, I still got it. I guess I was able to rattle all that stuff out. I didn't have any of that. Written You've down. never lost it. You're you're a dang encyclopedia when it comes to this stuff, which is why I'm just like, when was the last time this happened, Cole? <laughs> rattle it out. <laughs>
You don't know how many time, how many years it took Tom Osborne to... Well, he's 49. <laughs> Just quick math real quick. All right, when we come back, uh, we've got plenty more uh, Nebraska baseball. Uh, they had a few results since our last show with you. Uh, we'll run those down, preview the weekend. Uh, and the big returning star for Nebraska basketball. We'll tell you who that is coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone else. You know, lately Husker baseball is in action today. They're down in Abilene, Texas. They're not playing Big Ten baseball this weekend for whatever reason. Uh, so they're taking on Texas A&M Corpus Christi at 1 o'clock. And then at Abilene Christian, of course, in Abilene, uh, that's a true road game. Uh, that one's a 5 p.m. start. Uh, you're going to probably see Emmett Olson and Jace Kaminska. Hey, uh, if Will Bolt wanted a solution to his Sunday starter problem, here's your solution. Just only play two games on the weekend. <laughs> no, I have a solution for you. They're not playing yesterday. They're not playing on Sunday. I have a solution for you. I have a solution for your Sunday starter. Does it start with a WW? Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> WW. So many strikeouts.com with uh, that was so bad. <laughs> that was terrible. That's one of the worst things oh, I've ever said on the God. red on the radio ever. Will Walsh, <laughs> Will Walsh killed North Dakota State. It was incredible. Gave it one run earlier, early in the first inning, but then settled down. I watched that. I wrote for that game. Great job. Um, the offense. I mean, Bryce. Well, not- the offense was meh, but Bryce Matthews was one of the most clutch. clutch home runs that I've ever seen. And, hey, Shea Shanneman, two innings pitch, five strikeouts. I mean, impressive. I mean, it was just a solid stop. North Dakota State, not the best team, but they were dominant. They were dominant. It wasn't one of those, uh, you know, oh, they, yeah, that's what they should have done. They they didn't look. No, no, no. They've What else was that pitching staff supposed to do other than just shut them out? You know, like they they played great. And I think that in Will Walsh's last two outings, you take out that one last inning he had against uh, Nichols, where he gave up all those runs. Or Creighton, sorry. that was Creighton. After retiring, what, 17 of the first 18 batters he faced? You take out that one inning, he's been dominant in his last two appearances. And uh, I think that he he should get a shot at their next Sunday start. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, we've talked about it all season. You feel really good about your front line. Your your first two guys on the weekend, you feel pretty good about most of the bullpen. They've had their struggles, but they've also seemed to to figure that out. Obviously, you feel really good about almost everybody in the lineup. I mean, you really do. I mean, who do you not? Yeah, they've had a couple of off nights here and um, there, but that's baseball, right? But I mean, you've got uh, the, their stars are being stars. Bryce Matthews, Max Anderson, they are doing what they're supposed to do. Exactly, you're getting contributions up and down the lineup. There are times where it's the one through three hitters. There's times where it's the five through nine hitters. Yeah. So, you really just get down to that Sunday start, and and if Will Walsh is the and this the story on Will Walsh is 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 crazy. Before that Creighton game, he had pitched one inning, period, in college, one inning for Nebraska, one inning. Hey, and then he goes almost seven against Creighton. Credit to Bolt, man. He he, he or almost six, and then almost seven against North Dakota State. He found something. He's found something, and and. Is he going to be? I mean, right now he's pitching like a dang Cy Young type of guy, you know, <laughs> like you know the Cy Young of baseball. That's how Will Walsh is doing it. Is he going to be that all season? No, 
but this is a a pitching staff where just in just any pitching staff in all of the country, whenever you can find contributions from a pitcher that you didn't expect, I'll credit to you, and it just makes your life way more easier. That's exactly what Nebraska has found in Will Walsh. My question is though, so they they play Corpus Christi. Who it was Corpus Christi? They had trouble trouble with them last year, right? Didn't they get absolutely? Uh, that might have been the game killed yeah. by them. Yeah, yeah, it was like twenty. It may 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 have been a different team, but he got Corpus Christi and Abilene Christian today in Texas. Kaminska Olson Tuesday, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Do you roll with someone else other because Walsh has been getting those Tuesday games? Do you roll with someone else? So you maybe run with Crisco, maybe run with, and then you say maybe, and then you can save him. For the Sunday game against Michigan, or that'll tell, that'll tell you what they're doing, right? If he starts that midweek game, he's not the Sunday no. guy. Or maybe they just but, give him a couple of innings and don't let him stretch. But out. I got uh, here's another here's another question for you though. Maybe they throw him out on Friday because at this point he would have been it would have been maybe look think about it though. I don't mind the it rhythm have been, of the pitching. Like you want to have you know this. it would have been ten it would have been ten days since his last appearance yeah. if he or sorry let's do this math three and then. 12 days. 12 days from his last appearance if he were to pitch on Sunday. Is that a little too long? Because so, I, there is there is some, there is something yeah. to waiting too long to play. You number can have one, too much rest. Yeah. No, I, I get you. No, number one, I, I you can't move out of the Friday-Saturday rhythm okay. you got. Okay. Number then, two, yeah. I, think, I think if you get him some innings either today or Tuesday, Ooh. you don't you just don't stretch him out too much. Yeah, maybe get him going. And then you get, and then you give him. That you would start have to Sunday. do it today. You would have to do it today, though. I think you give you... him some work today. I do. Yeah. So if you see him today, maybe that means he's maybe he's not guy. playing. He's not playing Tuesday because you do have. I mean, like you said, Christo Jackson Brockett's gotten started. The, the, if he were obviously, to, yeah, you obviously don't have the same consistency with those midweek games. But look, the way they are playing on Friday and Saturday with the starting pitching and the lineup, and they beat and the bullpen. Yeah. You you can you can start to sweep teams, and and you you're gonna need to get a couple of sweeps in Big Ten play, especially against the lower teams in the conference. If you think you have designs on getting an at large bid to the NCAA tournament, they're they're not they're just they're they're not getting the RPI number that they that they had Are, hoped for yet. And sure, you're gonna need to start winning games number one on the road. When you get into like a game like today against Abilene Christian, you're going to be at K State on Tuesday, and the, the weekend series at Michigan. Road games are gold. You can start winning those. That Creighton loss was a golden opportunity squandered uh, with it being a true road game. So those count so much more towards the RPI. Uh, those those opportunities are are going to slip away if you cannot win any game on Sunday, and they are having so much trouble winning that game on Sunday, that it is going to be the reason that makes or breaks their, their postseason chances. Are we at the point, and, and I like doing this exercise with, with every team that I have an interest with, you know, just, just for fun. Are we at the point where they're one pitcher away? From, from making some noise yeah. in the playoffs? Because I, I, I think I, they are. I, I, I think we can start saying that. Just because... The bullpen collectively has proven that they can hold that. Now they they weren't good to begin the year, but over these last couple of of weeks, they have proven that they can hold down some games. But this offense, in particularly, has so much firepower. Now this has changed. This was before the North Dakota State game, but still proves a point. Yeah, in the country, in the country, 
Nebraska ranked 10th in batting average, 14th in slugging percentage, 28th in home runs, 45th in runs scored in the country. Okay, mm-hmm. It's a top offense. Yeah. they got a top offense with two guys on Friday and Saturday who are really good. And then you got some very solid bullpen arms. you got Jalen Worthley, Kyle Perry, Shea Shanneman, who has really proven himself. Jake Buns. Jake Buns. Yep. you you got solid arms up and down that line. And now... You add in Will Walsh, and if he keeps, he's not just pitching, Cole. He's not just going out there and throwing five innings a game. He's, he's pitching he's not, like huh? he's the best guy <laughs> in 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 the. In, I mean, on this team, look, he's on this team. Creighton, and and Creighton's obviously a solid that team. Was a tough loss. Um, and North Dakota State. Those are those are the opponents. Those are the lineups. Sure. And Creighton Mid. I don't know what their lineup looked like relative to what they would play in a Big East game or whatever. But he's got. He has yet to do it against the Big Ten team. He has yet to do it in a sure. in a weekend role where it, it, you go one and one. He's got he's got the the series win on his shoulders, or maybe they've won two like they did last week against Illinois, and and maybe he can go get that sweep. It's a little bit different situation. A little bit different mentality. A little different pressure. Can he can he maintain that? Assuming that he's the guy next Sunday at Michigan, can he still do what he's done with those other factors? Sure. That Creighton game was on the road. I mean, in the state, but still on the road. Uh, North Dakota State, the confines here at Haymarket Park. Now you're going to go up to Ann Arbor. Michigan has Michigan has made noise in the postseason. It's tough. They've played in the national. They made they played in the national championship series in 2019. Legit program. So that part of it is is the the unknown factor with Will Walsh. But you gotta love the stuff that he's showing you so far. You it's, really do. It's so tough that they play at Michigan and at Maryland when those are two of the upper teams in the yeah. Big Ten. I mean that's that's a tough draw. But look, you gotta sweep Northwestern. Have to, and you gotta you they're gotta playing, ca- you gotta catch a sweep. at Iowa too. Yeah, that's a tough one too. I yeah. mean you gotta catch a sweep somewhere. Maybe Purdue. Um, it's going to be a tough road for them to get an at-large bid. I mean, they're they're probably realistically, they are probably going to have to win the Big Ten in order to get to into into the NCAA tournament. But unless they start sweeping, some unless folks. they start sweeping, yeah. But but I think we can confidently say right now, April first, twenty twenty three, they're one pitcher away. That might be subject to change. You know, the wheels might fall off. Who knows? It's baseball. But I think right, you're right. Right now, I think they're one pitcher away. I think you're right. No fooling. Here on April Fools. I was contemplating throwing something yeah, really crazy yeah, out there. You missed on that one. I didn't want to mislead the listeners. I built up some trust over the years, you know. All right. Um, in in that in that spirit, uh, we're gonna tell you who is coming back to Nebraska basketball, star three point shooter. Uh, also uh, an update on a uh, Husker All American. Uh, that you may not have heard as well. We'll uh, detail that and get you ready for the weekend yeah. here coming after this on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Really weird and, and, and tough story earlier this week. If you didn't see it, Husker All-American wrestler Peyton Robb, right after uh, his semifinal loss at the NCAA tournament, got really sick and has been hospitalized for the last two weeks. Uh, a rare life-threatening infection in his leg. 
He's had basically dead tissue that has had to have multiple surgeries to have it removed. Uh, was very, very touch and go in terms of whether he would actually make it out of it alive. And yeah. and is is recovering. It seems like he may be out of the woods finally. But uh, um, there was uh, you know like GoFundMe or what it was. There, on, there's online. currently a a give send uh, go yeah. uh, supporting him and his family. I'll, I'll read the message uh, here that I've been able to uh, pull up from an SB Nation article. This is directly from uh, the campaign. Payton was finally diagnosed with uh, necrotizing fasciitis, an extremely rare infection that sees a couple of hundred cases in the United States per year and has been as low as 70 cases in recent years past. Each, uh, Even with treatment, one in five people die of this rare infection. Payton has been in the hospital since the NCAA tournament and will stay there until uh, his white blood cell count has returned to normal. The doctors have him scheduled for one more uh, debridement surgery with the hopes that this will be the last. This was posted uh, about 20 uh, yesterday at uh, 1 p.m. from uh, John Johnston on SB Nation. Yeah. Um, and it, in, yeah, in that, um, that's a message from the Give Send Go. And then there's a link there. The, currently, the goal is $25,000. Uh, they've raised $82,000. So, um, yeah. an incredible effort by Husker Nation, as always. And, you know, if you have the needs, I would definitely go and. Uh, uh, look into that and in support because uh, he's he's a great wrestler and nothing but great things you've heard about paid Rob from that wrestling program and yeah, all American this year yeah. 57 pound class was was uh, one of the guys that was leading that team to uh, this close to a top 10 finish nationally for for Husker wrestling so yeah and, and in there there's a long story uh, and I'm not going to yeah. read it here because it, it's there but it details everything that kind of went down into uh, where he is now. But, um, yeah. yeah, just the wrestling community and Husker Nation supporting him. We wish nothing but the best for Peyton and really pray that uh, he recovers uh, fully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Taylor Christopoulos, uh, the 2023 Big Ten Gymnast of the Year Yep, for the Huskers. Uh, first nationally in the all-around, second on the vault, and fifth on the floor. He's a junior, uh, won 12 individual event titles, including three all-arounds, and it was the National Gymnast of the Week twice. He was. Uh, he's on the U.S. Senior National Team. He's the... Uh, yeah. First one since 1998, I believe, from uh, Cornhuskers. Also, Jazz Shelley. Jazz Shelley. Coming back. Not, uh, not Casey yet. No, no. I know. I knew Still you were no doing that. There. I knew you were doing that tease, but Jazz is coming back massive, especially with Izzy Bourne uh, deciding not to return. And so, you know, Jazz had an inconsistent January, but after that, you know, her entire season around that, you know, slump was incredible. She's a great player, a great she's leader, yeah. and uh, she's really hoping that they can get NIL money for international yeah. students because she would benefit greatly for that. So would Casey. So Let's Kase. get it done. Uh, hey, go Dortmund and Bayern's Reign of Terror today. Oh, yeah. soccer. My bad. So- yeah, Dirk Classicer. All right, that's going to do it. Husker baseball in action. Doubleheader today right here on KLIN down in Texas. That's Matt. Kenny Larrabee getting us on the Facebook Live. I'm Cole. We'll see you next week. Go Big Red.